You're listening to the Sunday Sermon from Cardington Church of the Nazarene in Cardington, Ohio. If you need prayer, encouragement, or support, please don't hesitate to reach out. As always, our website and email are in the show notes. We serve a great God, and it's my hope that He speaks to you through the sermon today. We're talking about love. If you didn't figure that out yet, it says it right there. Um, I know, I know, it's a theme, right? We're talking about love, and, and you know what's one of the worst things ever is, is failing someone you love, doing something wrong towards someone you love, making a bad decision towards someone you love. That's one of the most difficult things, but today we're going to be talking about love. We're also going to be talking about repentance, and repentance is what happens when we fail someone we love, when we do something wrong to someone we love. In, in a non-biblical example, right, Kirsten and I, we, we talk, we have the things that we do together, and sometimes we have these things where I think one way and she thinks another, right? And that's how, I think that's pretty normal. I don't think that's, you know, different. But that, you know what's hard is when I just sternly say one thing. We have to do it this way. This makes the most sense. And she'll say, well, I don't know if that makes the most sense. Why don't we do it this way? And I'll say, no, no, no. I've thought this through. I know. And she'll say, okay, because she's really good at just saying I'll let you do it, right? And then we go through the whole process, and it all happens, and everything's good. And I learn, hmm, I, I think I was wrong. And then I think about it, and I only, I'm only saying I think I was wrong because I know I was wrong. And, and the hardest part about all that is to go back to her and say, look, cause, cause, look, I think I was wrong. I think you were right. It's hard to swallow our pride and to go back and especially to face someone that we have done something wrong to, right? Face someone that we have, have been maybe less than kind to. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not even that bad. Maybe it's just disagreed with and, and went against, right? It's really difficult to turn to someone and to be able to admit that. But guess what? She always knows before I get there that I was wrong. She always knows before I tell her, hey, I made a mistake. She always knows that I was wrong. And she's always loved me, right? Because... While humans don't have perfect examples of love, right? We're not, we, we make mistakes. We don't have uh, the, the, most, the most perfect, exact definition of love in our hearts. We do understand it a little bit, and she loves me very well. And she knows that even though I was wrong, she still loves me. And that's kind of a beautiful example of, of God's love in my life. She's been a beautiful manifestation in my life of, of God's love to me because it's unconditional, it's unfathomable, it's unfaithful. It's not unfaithful. It's unfathomable, Right? It's unchangeable. It's steadfast. And so today we're talking about steadfast love, the steadfast love of God. As we're in Advent, right, this is the Christmas season where we intentionally wait and we think right, and we remember and we reflect on God coming, right, and God promising, hey, I will be there. I will come. I will send my son. And then he does, right? And, and all the generations that waited before until he came, and, and then he comes and, and he dies on the cross and he rises again and he will come again. And now we sit in the, in the period of waiting where we wait for that to be fulfilled as well. Advent is a beautiful time and today we're focusing on love and we're going to do that by reading Psalm chapter 85. Psalm 85. So it's going to be on the screen. Um, if you want to look at it up there, you can read it in your Bible or however you wish to. But Psalm 85 and it says this. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath. You turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? 
Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. That's the word of God from Psalm 85 today. And I know that maybe just reading that out of nowhere, it kind of seems a little confusing. And, and what, uh, what is it about? Sometimes the Psalms are that way. Uh, and so I want to give you a little bit of the background of this Psalm. And, and first off, the Psalm's in four sections. Verses 1 through 3 are a remembrance of God's faithfulness in their lives and in the lives of their forefathers, right? The person who wrote this is remembering You, Lord, showed us your favor. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You have been there. You were real. The first is remembrance. The second one is lament. And Pastor Kirsten talked last week all about lament. It's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, right? It's like passionately saying, I am struggling with what is going on, with the circumstances I have been presented with, with loss or brokenness or grief or anger or sadness. I am lamenting. And this next section is a section of lament, We learned that lament isn't the opposite of hope, and today we can learn that lament does not mean absence of love either. Lament is sorrowfully expressing grief. So the first is to remember God's promises, remember God's faithfulness, remember that God has always been there. Second, they go through and they lament their situation and what is going on with them. The third thing is this, they yearn for the desire of God's favor. They yearn for and they desire God to be with them and God to bless them and God to be there just like he was that they remembered. And the last section is this, and I think this is kind of beautiful because it's the hardest thing for us to do, right? They, they yearn for God, they ask for God, they want God, but then in the last section, verses 10 through 13, they anticipate the blessing of God to fall upon them. They anticipate God's blessing them in the future. Even in the midst of what's going on, they believe that God will do what he says he did because he has always been faithful in the past. The background of this psalm is this, right? The person writing it, these are basically uh, Jews. They had, been, they had been exiled from Judah. They had been kicked out of their homeland, pushed away from the powers that be, basically, for, for reasons that I, we don't have time to get into. They had been pushed out of their homeland, and it was for decades and decades. For a very long time, they had been moved, taken away from everything they knew. And, and this psalm was written uh, right after they had returned to their homeland, to Judah, after Babylonian exile had ended, after they were allowed to come back. This is when this psalm was written. And so they're back, which is exciting. And they know God has been faithful. He gave us what he said he would give us. But it's not all the same it used to be. See, the infrastructure, the buildings, everything that they had known it had been destroyed. It had been taken from them and changed. And so they were, they were mourning the loss of everything that they knew. And they were rebuilding So they found themselves in this time of of being back where they were, but where they were wasn't the same. They were excited to return. They were excited to be back, but they were also devastated that it wasn't what it used to be. But it wasn't just the infrastructure and, and the architecture that needed rebuilt. It was also their people that needed rebuilt because in these decades that they were pushed away, in these decades that they were exiled, they had lost many people. 
through, through just normal life circumstances, through, through grief and through sorrow and through all this thing, it was very hard on the people. And they had lost many people. So they not only had to rebuild the infrastructure, they had to rebuild the people. They had to procreate. They had to, to create new people to do, to be, to live. So they had to rebuild in multiple ways. And the last way they had to rebuild was they had to rebuild kind of their ideology, their belief in who they were and in what they did. Because as they had been gone so long and pushed away so long, the things that they once considered their identity had kind of shifted into the things that, that maybe they didn't identify so well with. Maybe things that their captors or the people over them had believed. They had just kind of fallen into believing that. So they had to rebuild basically everything about their life. And so while it was looking up, it was good. They got back to where they wanted to go. They got back to where they prayed to go. They got back to where God said they would go. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows and roses and butterflies, right? It wasn't all perfect. But as they write this psalm, we see that they remember that God had been faithful to them. Even in this time where where it didn't feel like he had done everything they wanted. He got us here, but is this really what it's going to be like now? He remembered God's faithfulness. In verse 7... It says, show us your unfailing love, Lord. Show us your unfailing love. And in the Hebrew language, in the the language this was written in, uh, the word used for unfailing love, there's many words in Hebrew that they use for love, but the word used for unfailing love in this is hased. We've talked about it before. It's been quite a while, so I'll forgive you if you don't remember what it means, right? But it basically just means unfailing, never-changing, steadfast love. That's what hased means. It's not this romantic infatuation, right? It's not this thing that we think of, uh, like mushy, right? Like this love story between uh, people who, who've fallen in love and they're in, in intimate and passionate. It's not that. It's this love that is always there. This love that despite of anything we've ever done, of anything we could ever do, will always remain there. It will be steadfast. It will be the same. It will never change. It will never go away. This is chesed. This is the love that they're asking. God, show us your unfailing love. This love that we know has happened. This love that we know you've given our ancestors, our forefathers, We know that you were there. We will remember. We do remember. Please send us that love. And they're they're remembering that love because uh, they're actually referring to uh, God's covenant with Abraham. They said it in the Advent reading this morning. In Genesis 15, God made a covenant with Abraham. We don't use the word covenant very often anymore, okay? Uh, Covenant of marriage, maybe you've heard that before. But, like, we don't really use that word very often. Uh, A covenant in in the Old Testament was an important thing. And it meant a lot. And it was... It was... You didn't turn back, right? And in the Old Testament, in Genesis 15, God made a covenant with Abraham. And there was a ritual uh, called cutting a covenant, okay? Cutting a covenant. This was interesting. This is kind of interesting, right? And what that would mean is there are two parties who who are forming a covenant together. And this ritual means they'll take an animal, like not a sacrifice. They'll just take an animal. This is part of the ritual. It's like a cow, say. And they cut it in half, okay? So they take a cow, cut it in half. Kind of gross, kind of violent, kind of gory. And they lay it down next to each other. And then how the the two people making the covenant continue is they cut it in half, they lay it down, and then they walk together through the animal and around the animal, and they're basically symbolizing, hey, this covenant, this promise we've made, what we've said is true, we'll do it together. Both of us will hold up our end, otherwise we're going to end up like the cow that we just cut in half. This is serious. We will not falter on what we've said. We will do. This covenant is true, and it's strong. And God made a covenant with Abraham because Abraham, if you know the story of Abraham, again, we don't have time to really get into the whole story. It's quite a long one. But Abraham was promised by God descendants that numbered the stars and family and, and, and all this stuff. This, many people, many family, a, a place for his inheritance to go. 
And it had been a long time, longer than it seemed it should be, that God had promised it. And so Abraham was starting to doubt, has what God has told me, has he forgotten? Is it over? Is it real? Is it still going to happen? And so God made a covenant with Abraham in the midst of this moment with him. And they did this thing, cutting a covenant, right? So they cut an animal down the middle. And this is what's special with the one with Abraham is Abraham, he didn't walk through the circle with God, right? God, in fact, made it to where he wouldn't. But Abraham watched as God himself walked through and around that animal, symbolizing that God was saying to him, it does not matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you forget me. It doesn't matter if you turn away from me. It doesn't matter if you hate me. I will fulfill my promises to you. My covenant, my word is strong. I will be there for you. I will fulfill the promises I have made to you. And guess what? Abraham was promised and Abraham received because God is faithful and his steadfast love, his hased, is never failing. It's steadfast. The covenant God made with Abraham was real and it was true. It's not, un, it's not like any covenant we could ever make with someone. It's not a promise we could do here. It's not a pinky promise, right? It's God will not fail what he says he will do. God will not fail. And, and so the psalm writer, they know this. Even in the midst of their times, even when they're feeling down, even as they lament, they know God was there. They know God was there for Abraham. They know God was there for them. They know he was, and God says he was, and he is, and he always will be, so they know that they can believe it, but it's still in the midst of it, it's hard to believe. I think we can identify with that. I think we can relate to that. In the middle of trials, it's not easy to believe. They remembered God's faithfulness to them and to Abraham. His covenant is real. Covenant love. No matter what happens, God will keep his covenant. They were lamenting. The next section, right? They lamented. They were upset and angry and sad that everything they knew was different. They were being passionate towards God, their father, who they knew was there. They were letting him know that I am in a place I'm not comfortable with and I want you to show up. Restore us again, God our Savior. Put away your displeasure towards us. Do you not like us? Are you causing this to happen to me? Will you be angry with me forever? Will you prolong your anger through all the generations? These are questions that they ask. And guess what? Just like with Abraham, God's not angry. He's not gone. He hasn't disappeared. Just because we can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. Just because we can't feel him doesn't mean he's not working. Their desire was to be where they were with God. And so they repented. They did that thing that's so hard, and they said, God, please, I know that I turned away. I know that I got comfortable with what I had, and then I lost it. And I know that it's easier when you lost it to come to you, but, but, but what can I do? It's a mistake I've made. It's a thing I know I've done. It's, they repented. They said, God, please, send us your love. Show us your unfailing love, your never-ending, welcoming, always available, never gone love your chesed but then right then they yearn for God's favor they desire God to be there I will listen to what the Lord said he promises peace to his people surely his salvation is near 
They yearn for God's favor. They desire to be close to God because God had been close to them and they want to feel it again. God, please be with us. Love us. Show up for us. But they don't stop at asking. This is one of the hardest parts too, right? When you don't see, it's really hard to believe. They don't stop at asking. As soon as they ask, they anticipate. They expect God to move. Love and faithfulness meet together. Your love and your faithfulness, it's all one and it's all here and it's here together. Now we get it. We want it to be back. Please, God, send your faithfulness. I expect it. I am anticipating. You, Lord, will indeed give what is good. Our land will yield its harvest. They anticipated They knew that God's word was not empty. They knew that what he said was true. They knew that his covenant was good. God would not abandon them. This psalm is for us today. I know that it's this far away thing, and I know that sometimes interpreting and and applying the scripture to our lives is difficult, but this psalm is for us today, and I want us to be reminded of this. In 2023, December, here, Today, this is valuable for us in our culture and in, in our context and with the people around us and the family we have and the things that we do. This is for us today. God's love is present for you. God's faithfulness is there for you. It's real. His covenant that was with Abraham that was so true where he said, it doesn't matter if you mess up, I'll be there. That's for you too today, right now. It hasn't changed just because it's been a long time from then, right? That's what's so special about God is he's been the same. He doesn't change. The love of God is for you. We can repent today. Because just just like Kirsten does with me, he, he knows we've done something wrong, but he doesn't care. What he cares about is that we desire to be with him, that we desire to know him, that we desire to love him. God's love is unfailing. And so I think just as this psalm is built, just as it has put together, just as it is here, we can do the same thing. We can remember that God has been faithful to us. And maybe, maybe that means we, we read scripture and we see and we read accounts where God was faithful to Abraham and God was faithful to the Jews and God was faithful to Jesus as he was on earth. Maybe that's what it means. We, we get it from scripture. But maybe we need something else. Maybe that means we get it from our family. Maybe we have stories that have been told to us by our parents or our grandparents or our brothers or our sisters or our friends that say, God showed up for me here. It doesn't even have to be personal. It can be someone in your life experienced the love of God, the undeniable chesed in their life. But maybe it can be in your own life too. Maybe if you think back to a time, I hope you have it, and if you don't, that doesn't mean it wasn't there, but I hope you have that time where you can remember that God was faithful to you, that God showed up for you, that God put a person in your life that you needed or, or an experience in your life that you needed or that you felt the presence of God for yourself, that you experienced the hope and love of Jesus for yourself. God has always been faithful. Remember it. And we can lament. We can be upset with our situation. Bad stuff happens. I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to. We've all got it. Sometimes it seems worse than others. 
But bad stuff happens, and it will happen. We can lament. We can express our deep grief and sorrow. Expressing your grief and your sorrow and living in it does not mean that you're turning away from God. It means that you're sad. It means that bad stuff's happened to you because sometimes bad stuff happens. But God has always been faithful. And God will remain faithful through it and after it. Because his said, his unfailing love, his steadfast, unconditional love will always remain the same. So we remember, we lament, and then we can desire God. Show up for us. Be real in my life. And we can desire and then we can know based off of who God is and all of his faithfulness, that has never changed and never will. We can know that he will and we can expect it. This psalm should, should, is how we should shape our lives. Remember who God is. Don't forget that God's been faithful. He will always be faithful. His love will never end. He wants you to turn to him. There's hope in this season. There's love in this season. We can trust that God loves us. We can remember where God has been, how he's been faithful, and we can celebrate where God reveals his steadfast love to us. Will you bow your heads with me? God, man, we're thankful for your love. Something we can count on your steadfast love for your never-changing character. God, we pray that we would experience your love today, that in the midst of whatever we're going through, God, as we lament, as we express our deepest sorrows, as we live in the times that we live in, God, whether good or bad, we pray that we would know your love for us, that we would turn to you and accept your free gifts grace and peace and mercy and love. Give us your hope. Give us your love. We love you. Amen. As you go today, remember that song, The Love of God, How Rich and Pure. God loves you, and his love will never change. You're dismissed.